Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to The Sell Better Daily Sales Show, uh, where we bring you the daily sales advice to help you sell better. Uh, while folks are joining here, um, let us know what your role is in the chat. Let me switch it to everybody so we can see where you're uh, dialing in from. And then there's going to be a, a, a question uh, that pops up on your screen you know, about who's in the room, you know, what your role is so that we can better tailor the conversation to your specific role. So let's do that while we're waiting for everybody to join. All right. We've got Steve here from Wisconsin. Shout out to Steve. <laughs> I'm here in Charleston, South Carolina, and it is windy where I am. <laughs> but anyways, on the screen here, you're going to see, um, uh, you can just pull up this QR code. We've got some upcoming, okay, about that, a toddler here ready for his <laughs> We've got some, um, you can pull up this QR code and sign up for future um daily uh, workshops so make sure to check that out and check out our youtube as well all right got shout out to ann she's in wisconsin too what's up wisconsin and will in virginia next up nice y'all um wanted to introduce y'all to our speakers today thank you so much for for joining with us jordan we've got jordan crawford coming from um he's a founder of blueprint We've got Chris Herring, who is the Senior Director of Growth and Partnerships at Aptivo. Thank you, gentlemen, for for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. So much fun. Yes, thank you. All right, y'all. So um, before we jump into things, I also want to thank our partner, Exactly. There's going to be a link to Exactly in the chat. So thank you, Exactly, for making this show possible. Oh, and... Let's just kick off our, our agenda today. Um, it's really about why is the traditional outreach model broken? You know, what are some of the tactics that are a little bit outdated that maybe are even being pushed down from your leadership or things that you've read or that have worked for you in the past? Like what needs to be adjusted and why isn't it working? Second piece of what we're gonna be talking about today is is a little bit different of approach. Um, really interested to hear what our guests have to say about this and then how to execute and be prepared some examples of well as well like what good looks like and and real messaging and things that you could try um so excited to talk through some of those examples and and see what the um our, our speakers and y'all have to say about it all right so we've got well is is finished we've got some mainly scr bdrs in the room we've got 29 percent aes love to see that as well as some frontline managers and senior leadership uh so awesome Everybody across the revenue org is really represented. So great to see that. Um, all right, y'all, let's let's kick it off. Let's jump into the meat of this. So um, attention versus intention. So let's talk about like a little bit of a history, gentlemen, about like what has, tr what has worked potentially in the past that working. We'll start with you, Jordan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks so much uh, uh, for having me. Um, I, de I definitely do want to talk about attention versus intention. And um, in the past, we basically existed in a world of attention, which is who was the fast to get the largest number of contacts, push those through a tool like outreach, and some small percentage of those people would uh, reply. 
And that was in a world where we had um, uh, fewer SaaS competitors, so there weren't people being funded. Hey, I've got an idea and a hat. Uh, could I have $100 million? Yes, you can, Jordan. Um, and so uh, basically, since the world of tools um, like Outreach, Sales Loft, uh, Zoom Info, Apollo, they had become sort of standard bearer for a lot of SaaS companies. And frankly, a lot of SaaS companies that probably shouldn't uh, exist in today's um, funding environment. So it's become a lot noisier and people are still taking those playbooks from the past and taking them today. The same tools that have harder time for deliverability, as well as the same tactics, which is a huge problem, right? You still see people today, um, Zoom Info put out a, um, a playbook that says you should reach out to people when they raise money. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> um, this is where you need to have the... Um, uh, the intentionality, right? Um, it's not just about attention anymore. You need the intention of who your customers are, why they chose you, and then to be able to perfectly identify the ICP and persona of the additional leads that you're going after. And uh, SDRs and AEs, your leadership is likely not telling this to you today. Um, Chris, I'm curious to hear your thoughts here. Uh, well, first off, Maria, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I'm excited to be here, but I think Jordan kicked it off well. I think what we've seen, and we've seen a major shift. Um, I personally have seen it in the startups that I've been a part of, both from being in, in seed funding companies through Series C, Series D, who have a mass audience, a massive like impact, and yet their their revenue stream and their channels and the way that quota uh, is attained and measured is still backwards. And so being able to evaluate that properly is a is a challenge that every single one of the people on this call, I guarantee you, is thinking about. So Jordan, Jordan called it out, but one of the attention versus intention elements that I think about is, is what is the goal initially? Is And I think many founders are getting confused is within this, is it awareness? Is it revenue? Is it revenue across your ICP? Is it all kinds of revenue? Is it, if it is revenue across your ICP, is it revenue efficiency within that ICP or is it revenue at all cost within that ICP? So even you can narrow that and still have a, a, a difficult time knowing how to execute. And I think the, the market has shifted in a way over the last few years where sales development has ended up, well, sales and marketing has become a, a cross-pollination and there used to be very segmented roles and I think more than ever they're more blended. And in doing so, SDRs and AEs are utilizing marketing automation tools that are cover, that are basically renamed as sales engagement platforms. And not that that's wrong, it's just the ability to just say, hey, I'm just going to spray templated messaging out that isn't necessarily relevant, but that's, isn't actually intentioned in the right way. It's just an attention grab that ends up in spam, people spam, like mental spam filters and physical spam filters in their inbox. Yeah. So that's what I see happening in the attention versus intention space and firmly believe in and how the market is shifting to be more intention-based and how do you segment that and how do you actually apply that in your day-to-day -day is part of what I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, and I think one thing that I'll say too um, about intention here is that your customers know it. Your, your customers have spent their entire lives getting to the point that they are ready to buy your product. And they have so much understanding about why you, they probably evaluated other options, they went through a buying cycle, um, they were on the other side of that uh, that transaction. And so just because they are the VP of marketing or the VP of revenue, it doesn't actually lead any 
intention about what they're looking to do now. And so that's the real important thing for you to think about is what are the circumstances that led them to that point? And if you can identify that, messaging becomes a ton easier. And you get a lot of great insights from having a quick conversation with people that have bought recently. And instead of trying to sell your product and features, which happens all the time, you're given these titles and say, go reach out to them. Here's what our product does. That leads to terrible messaging because you don't really know the intention of the buyer. You don't know how they got to you, that you don't know their evaluation criteria. You don't know what led to that purchase in your business. And it might not be the features and product at all. Um, just as a quick example, I had a customer that I got on a phone, one of their customers. He said, why do you buy from us? We're more expensive. Uh, we don't have the features of the competitor. We have a worse brand name, right? All the things that you would think to message. And they said, well, because the competitor is a franchised model, which means that I had to go for every state that I am in, I had to go to individual sellers. So I had to buy 12 times if I wanted to buy from them versus I can shop online with you. So in that case, it was the buying process that made them stand out, right? You could never guess at that. You would only get it from having a conversation with a customer. Ooh, there's so much, so many good nuggets in, in these two areas, y'all. Um, and the, I agree with everything that you're, y'all are, are putting out there. So really good stuff. I mean, I'm hearing voice of the customer is super important to listen to more than ever. I'm hearing that this like volume spray and ray approach is is not going to be working anymore. Um, I mean, that, that I think that worked. I'm, I'm dating myself, but when I started in sales, it was before the sales engagement tools. And when we got them, it was like, heck yes. And like, we would just, just mass email everybody. And they're like, this is great. I'm getting a bunch of replies. And you could really make up for that, like lack of understanding of your buyer, just because you could just do so much more. Um, but I, th I think you all are exactly right that it's shifting. We have to be really intentional. We have to niche down and really identify who are our who is our ICP? So let's talk a bit a little bit more about like okay, so this is so much to dig into. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit more about like how do you get intentional? Like say somebody is you know, one of the NEs or SDRs are listening and they've got two thousand accounts, you know, that are assigned to them that they could potentially be prospecting into. Um like where do you start and how do you really segment those those different accounts and personas that they could potentially be reaching out to and triggers and like all the different things? Like, where do you start? It's it's the beginning of a new quarter. You've got this large territory. What do you do? How do you prioritize? Chris, you go first. Uh, well, maybe disagree yeah. with your approach. <laughs> no, no, getting one of one of the things that I was thinking through in preparation for this call was having led sales dev for six years in the past of looking through one of the biggest challenges I always found in sales dev was, you know, I be able to help reps identify their top tier accounts because it's beyond a lead score. And I think it's not to diss marketing. And, and, and as I lead growth marketing today, it's not a bash on marketing's like scoring efforts because there's, there's a place for that. But as an SDR, it's not always reliable versus for so many reasons. And so part of this is, is really understanding and nailing like, how do I choose this list of people, companies I'm targeting today? Not just in the list of closed lost accounts that are in my CRM. And 
And I think ultimately it comes down to your ability to think. And I know that's may sound cliche or it's still too broad and I'll bring it down. And Jordan, I want your feedback on this too, but the best SDRs and the best AEs I've ever worked with think like founders. They think independently. They think creatively. They don't take the methods of, hey, here's the 10 steps that are going to execute to a booked meeting and to a demo booked and a, you know, your pipeline revenue moving forward. It's a, is this an account? actually a good fit account and why is it a good fit account and what about the person is the right fit person that I know needs this type of tool and being able to tell me that as if I were their boss at the back of their hand those reps who know their pipelines like because they know the business and they know the business of those customers or how you uh, you prioritize those, those accounts initially not just a list of 2,000 accounts and then drilling it down based off of segmentation and sales nav or Apollo like that's only going to add to the continued sequencing that we've seen today. So that's my initial breakdown of knowing the business and knowing the customers. Yeah, Chris is exactly right here. Uh, and more, oh, you're supposed to say that. You're supposed to yeah, 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 yeah. She was. I don't know. Say more wrong things next time, and we can disagree about it. Uh, but but I think that the the there's so much truth in this that generally when you're handed a list of two thousand accounts, you'd be surprised how little thinking there is in those two thousand accounts. So when you ask the question, why these? And someone says, well, because they're 2000 plus employees in healthcare, like wrong answer, yeah. right? Um, and also really companies, uh, especially in B2B SaaS should be redefining the ICP and persona every quarter, every six months, not every year. And so if they said, well, this was a list that was built in 2018 uh, when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. It's like, okay, well, uh, there's like likely some problems with that. Um, I did want to talk about um, some of the questions in the chat here um, uh, so we can sort of dive into more specifics. But someone asked a question about um, AI play into messaging. The problem with AI generally is people think about it like everything else. They think about it as a tactic. Um, and so they're like, we don't know what to do. Maybe AI will know what to do. And it's like, if you don't know what to do, AI is not going to help you. It will amplify the uh, the challenges. The best uses for AI here are to, again, um, uh, Maria shared the in, uh, uh, truth versus triggers, right? So we have um, we have moved to a world of triggers, right? Just hired a new VP of marketing or switched jobs. And so the sort of new idea that is pervading here is that when these events happen, then you reach out. But they need to be tied to truth. And so the very best thing that you can do is always anchor to truth. A perfect example is I ran a campaign recently to target um, uh, VPs of product marketing. And I said, hey, would you like to be able to test the, the theories that you have about your ICP and persona in market? I got amazingly good replies. No personalization. I literally sat with a VP of product marketing and I said, what is the message that when you start a job, if you were to read that you're going to reply to? And he's like, Jordan, we can't do that at all. One of my best performing campaigns, no personalization. That is, there were no triggers. I just literally anchored against truth. Um, and so one of the things that I'm, I'll talk about tactics here just quickly. One of the things you can do with AI. Can we define? Yeah. Wait, I'm interrupt. I mean, to interrupt you. I want to, sure. this is so good and I want it all to stick. Can we first define like tr what triggers are? For the group who who may not know or um def, you know have that same same word to to, to talk about that, tell us like right. how do we define triggers? Chris, yeah, it, 
in in layman there in the most simplistic form, I would just say it's just um broadband events that are happening that allow you to create some kind of quote unquote relevance. And so that can look like a multitude of different things. So whether that could be someone is hiring for a specific role or a layoff just took place, or to Jordan's point, it could be a funding announcement or it could be um, not that that's what you want to use, but these are trigger events, or it could be at the contacts level where it's actually someone's this podcast. Someone could potentially prospect Jordan or myself because we they saw that we were on this podcast. That could be a, a trigger. Um, or a mutual connection, someone who previously worked at a customer of yours. Those are all triggers per se that could allow someone to drive relevant outreach. Yeah. And I uh, love and that. So it's like to drive relevant outreach. It's it's almost like a my friend Morgan Smith, he explained it once to me as like a clue. Do you love Morgan Smith too? I love Morgan Smith. Yeah, I, we went drinking in Denver a, a couple months ago. He's great. Oh, shout out to Morgan Smith if if you're around somewhere. Um, he's probably traveling. <laughs> he, he's doing a lot of traveling, but he defined it as like a clue that, or like an indicator that this account or this person could could like be focused on or challenged by something that you all help solve. Um, so it's it's I liked the idea of thinking of triggers as like a clue. Um, that could point to a potential and like for relevancy. Yeah, that's exactly right. And let's talk about some questions in the chat here um, so that people can anchor this. Um, so someone asked like, hey, is opening a trigger? An absolutely not. Terrible idea. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's a great question, uh, but because you might think, oh, that is a thing that occurred, um, but it really conveys no intentionality. It's also not anchored to truth. Um so just because I open an email, it has nothing to do with how much I like coffee, right? If I open an email from Pete's or whatever, like there's like a thousand other emails that I could open. Um, triggers always have to be anchored against truth. Um, another and SDR. Yeah. Let me let me pee on that real quick, Jordan, because to to you all that are listening, this is something that Jordan and I were saying that if you listen to your SDR manager, you'll get fired for following all of their steps, kind of in a joking manner. But and, and I say that as as a prior SDR leader where I've, I've been guilty of this, where like, oh, if they've opened, like you need to call them immediately. And it's like, we have no real, and, and there may be a place for some of that type of uh, like advice, but at the same time, you have no idea what's leading that. That could be a spam filter that's opening that. You have no idea how long they're, list- they're watching that here, they're reading that email. What about it that it's actually being consumed? So as a trigger is for relevancy, it, it's, it's, it's not one, I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and it's also someone asked about volume. Like, what if they open it a lot of times? Like, um, I think that y- you're you're really trying again, you're always trying to anchor against truth. So what are the things that are happening at the account level that I can find publicly that indicate that they are interested or that they have some series of problems here? So a, a, another version of this might be actually like visited the G2 page a lot, right? Like, I do think that there's actually some value in in that type of intent, intent signal. But remember, if you're not anchored against truth, it's really hard to say anything to those people. So it's like, hey, Chris, I was following you around at night when you were opening your emails. And I noticed that, you know, you open your email at night, you know, can I get you into some outreach software, right? Like it's, um, uh, but if you are anchored against truth, you can say a message like, Hey, Chris, you just started as the VP of sales. Uh, Generally, I know that people are defining their ICP and persona. Uh, What I've done is actually look at all of the positive and negative reviews of your current uh, G2 customers 
it seems like you're doing X in sort of mid-market and Y in the enterprise segment, I thought this information would be useful to you. That's a perfect example where you can use AI to ingest a lot of, a lot of information. The trigger is Chris just got hired and I'm not thinking about my software. Remember, the only goal of a cold email is to validate that someone is interested. It is to, it is to continue the next step, which is then confirm their interest, then schedule uh, a meeting. And so the purpose here is really to give them something that is independently useful than your product or service. And that's the kind of key differentiator here. If you think about cold email is what does this person care about? And messaging will bloom eternal from that because you understand what your ideal customer profile, what those people want. Yeah. I think also too, think about it from a from a cold email perspective or cold outreach overall, like 97% of your total addressable market isn't shopping for what you sell. So like keeping that in mind when you're emailing them or when you're cold calling them, you it can be about your product or your company or about your service. It has to be like having based on this foundation of like understanding their world, having some sort of truth um, that's like the some sort of indicator clue that they like of relevance and then being able to like pull them in of just figuring out is this relevant at all is this like would this be a good use of your time to talk about what my customers are doing differently to address this problem um, but if they don't have the problem if they don't like identify with it and they're not this like someone who's going to be able to to rally the troops and to get everybody engaged in it then then move on to the next one right um so i think like Going into that, knowing, hey, the person is not shopping, likely not shopping for what I sell. I need to pull them in in a different way is going to help you yeah. a, a ton. And I think I'll, I'll sort of piggyback on that, that if you have a good understanding about your customer, you're not going to be grasping for straws. You also don't, you know, I'm a big fan of sort of pain-based messaging and talking about pain, um, but understanding is also a really, really key thing that people don't do well at all. I had a good friend, uh, I had a good conversation with my friend, uh, Chris Mills, who um, is a CRO at a, um, uh, at a company of a couple thousand employees. And he said, Jordan, if you're messaging um, CMOs, what you should do is look at their background and see if they've come up from a product marketing background or a demand generation background. So then you can message them with different information. Hey, Jordan, I'm going to use all this jargon for you about demand generation because you've had 10 demand generation jobs before you got to the CMO. So you're not going to message those two CMOs uh, the same way. I would have not been able to invent that insight in a million years if I knew everything about product. But Chris has lived and worked with those CMOs. And so he has another level of insight about how to talk to them in a way that they're like, this person understands me. And that's what you're trying to do. You're not trying to sell your product or service on a cold email. You think you are. You're really just trying to sell a positive reply. And that's what gets missed, I would say, in the tactical execution of most sales orgs today. Because when you say, hey, here's we sell to CMOs, it's a it's often a one size fits message, right? It's like, here's our template, here's our sequence, without that the dichotomy of the product background versus the demand background or um, like for your VP of sales who is, can be, either they sell a very technical product. They, they have to understand the technicalities of their product and in, in, in detail. And so like there's going to, it's going to change the messaging. And so it requires an effective seller once again, to think 
to think differently than their managers, to think differently than their executive leadership, because they're going to miss things that you live in every single day based on the feedback you get from your prospects. So you have to think like a buyer and think like an end user. Yeah. And, so, and sometimes that's hard because you're often selling a product that you don't may not actively use. So I know someone chimed in the chat of that they work in the healthcare industry. It's not likely that you are using your healthcare tool in your sales outreach or like to, be, to better <laughs> extracting your own kidney. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so thinking like an end user is is a challenge, but that's why it has to be. You have to be able to talk to your customers, and your business is often hesitant to let you as an SDR speak to your customers. Right? They're like, "That's not your job." You know, go ahead, Marie. Marie. What are some ideas? What are some ideas that y'all have? If they are sitting and see, hey, I've just graduated from school. I, you know, I don't with our current customers. Um, what are some ways that they can start using like the the voice of the customer lingo that they're using, the um, speak about relevant problems and get real crispy and specific on those problems versus like we solve inefficiencies. And it's like, okay, <laughs> what are those inefficiencies? Like, what does that look like? the different people that are connected to the problem that y'all help solve like how do they get some exposure to that yeah um i i will say one go read g2 reviews go read your customer case studies here's a perfect example if you read your customer case studies and you read your homepage, they're if they look way different trust nothing that your company puts together <laughs> that like the language is all different and they're like oh well people buy us for efficiency and the case studies are like Nah, we just, we say, you know, we, we print money with this tool. It's like, well, why are you selling different thing than what customers are saying? So go read those reviews, um, listen to customers. Um, Alex asked a great question here, like what, like why they picked us. Generally, it's like three questions deep um, that you will get to this insight from a customer. So you'll say like, hey, well, why'd you buy us? And they say, well, you know, you're the first one that came up on Google. Okay, well, why did you pick us versus other things? Well, X, Y, or Z. And you'll get to the root of the problem when you kind of ask the same question in uh, three or four different ways. And they'll say, well, actually, Jordan, it's because the last IT manager that um, they were, uh, you know, th they grew up in the 1930s and they bought some camera technology that was cranking and we had it for the longest time. But when that person left, then we were like free to try new technology. So like in that case, you're like, find IT leaders this is a trigger, right? But it's anchored on truth. Find IT leaders that are over 350 years old that work at an organization that have just left the organization. And so now that there's new innovative ideas, new approaches. Um, so that's, it's, you just, it's, if you aren't anchoring to truth, you are throwing spaghetti into the universe, not at a wall. And it's much harder to hit Jupiter when you're throwing spaghetti into the universe. That's why you always want to anchor on having a, a conversation with the customer because they actually transact it. No one wakes up in the morning and thinks, God damn, I need some more B2B SaaS in my life. Um, and so you have to kind of remember that. Yeah. I, I would say I would love to disagree, but once again, I feel like I, I'm, I'm pretty aligned with Jordan. It's like, if you are in a, in a position to be able to, to personally speak to your customer base, it, it has to go back to what is being said about you of, the, of these customers. Because, I mean, reps watching this call and even leadership, I want to challenge you to think about this. Like your, I don't want to say this, um, like your quotas probably aren't right. They're, they probably aren't actually measured according to like what's, not that's not attainable because I, I'll say it a different way. 
SDRs, you can do everything about your job correctly. I, I still, I stole this from Jordan. I'm stealing this from Jordan from our chat earlier. You can do everything perfectly right about your job, hit quota nine months in a row, and still get fired. And it's not fair to you. It's not fair to your teammates, and it's not fair to even the company. But it still happens, and we've seen it happen over and over and over again. And you're like, is it me? Am I bad at my job? Am I not doing what I was supposed to do? And managers, you're putting a tough place too. You're like. They're doing everything I've asked them to do, and yet I'm having to lay them off. Yeah, you are the tip of a very dull sword. And that's the problem, is that yeah. your entire organization is generally designed to give you a playbook from the past and is set up for you to fail. So you need to, unfortunately, kind of question everything. And you look at the data and look at, you need to argue from first principles, look at the data and look who's actually buying. Someone's going to say, you sell to the oil and gas industry. This is a customer, um, many. And I said, great. How many customers do we have? We have one. Mm -hmm. You have one customer in oil and gas. Like, well, what am I supposed to sell? Like, that could be a fluke. Um, and so you are operating with very, very, very limited information. And in that case, I would go to the CRO and say, hey, there's two reps on this segment that we have 5,000 accounts in. And I'm tackling a segment that I have one account in like a, a one you know, paying account. Why do you think that this is a good use of my $80,000 a year? Like you're spending a lot of money for me to show up and try to sell this, uh, this like, is this really the best way for you to spend my energy? I don't think so. Um, so that's the kind of thinking that it sounds pretty aggressive. It's easy for me to say as a founder, but- um, uh, it, I was about to call that. That's exactly what I was going to say, Jordan. It's like, it's much easier as a founder to say, this is how I should be thinking if I were uh, in a different position. <laughs> And I, would, and I would say, even as a first-time SDR, Maria, you asked, like, what are those two? Like, you don't know what to think. Like. You don't know how to think like this. You don't even know what questions yeah. probing into to think independently of what you're being instructed or enabled to do to say, hey, this is what success looks like. And so there is an element of this that is that time is the ultimate learner or the ultimate teacher um, and the adaptability to that. But I would encourage every single SDR and AE on this call, like, if you are in a position to be speaking to these customers or on behalf of the customer or in these different capacities, like you still have the ability to think through and ask questions internally of how, why, and, and where do you see this going? Where do you see this leading? And, and how soon? And if it's not there, what what am I? How am I being attained or accountable for that? Like, like there, like because at the end of the day, your job security matters. Uh, like your growth matters. Your maturity matters in your role. And it's unfair to you to be in an organization who is constantly shifting their ICP because they have a nailed it and they're expecting you to drive the revenue results for it. Yeah. And I'm going to, and specifically dovetailing on that question, Daniel asked um, if management is unwilling to shift from attention to intention, how do you recommend saving yourself while prospecting or creating sequences? So let me, um, there's a Naval quote here that I love play long term games with long term people. If you're an SDR and someone comes in and you're like, they're not going to have success with our product, just be honest with the person because it's your reputation that you will carry with you to the next job. And I will tell you that if you have four or five or 10 of those conversations where you're like, look, Chris, I think that you could buy this, you would buy my solution, but these are the things to consider that might not make it a good fit. Why don't you sync up with a team and make sure, slow the sale because you're anchoring against truth. And if you do that, if I'm on a call with an SDR and the SDR is not just reading a script, I'm like, this is a person that I want to hire. This is someone that I know operates with integrity because they are literally going against their economic incentives. 
to tell me everything they understand about the market. Um, I just closed a deal uh, against a good friend of mine um, at 2x the price. Um, and I brought my friend in anyways, because we work well together. Um, but I said, this guy will likely get you results faster and can scale it better than me. I have an obsession with quality. I will not ship something unless I think it's the best possible thing I could ship. And sometimes that means that I don't do the lowest possible bar to make something work. Um, and they're like, Jordan, you're the guy we want on our team. Um, and so if you always uh, are, you know, if you have intention internally, um, that will show up in all the buyer conversations you have, and that will open immense doors for you in your career. Yeah. Um, and become really good friends with your CS team. And if you're lucky enough to have a RevOps or sales ops team or like conversation intelligence software, like those calls hopefully are being recorded in more like mature sales organizations. Go and listen to the, those conversations, listen to the, the real, um, those real calls and, and manage. Uh, I know I keep saying that and that's easier said than done, but but having, um, just to put out a stat that, when you have um, pipeline that fits within ICP, like a niche down ICP, it has four times the higher win rate as as the rest. So looking at like ICP is not just a top of funnel problem and a pipeline problem. It's a win rate problem, too. So they need to invest in figuring out like who who is the best customer for us? Who should we be going after? And it's going to improve the quality of your conversations, too. Yeah. Um, it's Let's jump into some trigger, or let's jump into some real life examples because I think that 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 would be really helpful to see. Um, and I'll I'll share my screen in a second. Yeah, I'm slow with this. Yeah, and I just I just <laughs> want right. to dovetail on that too, uh, Maria, because that's absolutely right. Those and if you take management, both data and customer conversations to management, and say here are actual ten conversations I've had, summaries of those conversations, you can do it with AI too, right? Drop that stuff from Gong into ChatGPT and be like, these are the things that I'm seeing on calls, but these are the things we're messaging in. How do you make sense of these two things? Just ask your leadership. Uh -huh. And they want they want it because they, they want to grow the business just as much as you do, if not more. Yeah. And so they're not privy to so many of these conversations because they're managing down, asking for different types of results, but they aren't in the weeds like you are. So for you to take that initiative to, to Maria's point of managing up, it goes so far beyond your quota attainment uh, because you are now a contributor to the business and not just a consumer of a paycheck month over month. So yes, so, so valuable. It's so yeah. valuable for them. And if they're the right type of leader, they'll take like they'll take that feedback and really appreciate it. Yeah. So Maria is showing a, a screenshot here uh, when it comes to some of the ways that I personally have been using you know, like signals and triggers and and to Jordan's point, I mean, he may totally disagree with my outreach and, and I'd love to have that dialogue too. But the the signal here that we're about to show you that this campaign is based off of, it is backed in truth because I'm utilizing a, a LinkedIn post from a very prominent individual who made a very strong stance uh, on, and it drove a ton of engagement. And so I took that engagement saying, because, let me bring it back. This post is very relevant to my ICP. It's very relevant to um, our entire uh, sales personas and marketing personas as it relates to buyer intent, custom signals, and how do you execute that across multiple channels. And so it drove a ton of engagement. And I'm like, oh, this is an opportunity for me 
to be able to piggyback on a conversation that he's already started that I can continue because my product, I believe, is quite like is further along than than the other. Um, and so where this sits here is here's the data of this. It was a three week campaign that I ran. So I scrubbed the the contacts of all the engagement on the post and and then targeted 130 of them. Of those who connected are 89 of them. Of those 89, 43 of them, so roughly 48% of them ultimately replied to my message. And then then 14% of them moved on into pipeline. And so this is how I'm utilizing it. This beats an email campaign day over day. And I have a ton of respect for what Adam Robinson is doing um, and his business at retention. He just had a really, really compelling post specific to buyer intent at the custom or at the contact level, which is what my company does. And so this was the post that I then shared of relevance. I appreciate the connection. Solid post from Adam Robinson on person level intent. He makes a few really interesting points worth calling out. Was wondering if I can get your thoughts on it. Care if I ask. And then I also shared the link to the post because you and I all know LinkedIn posts, you forget all the time. I'm like, what's what? And so I, I contributed to the relevancy of what I'm asking for. And then based off their response, we then had the conversation. So um, that's one truth-based trigger, I would say, that I use to have a very successful campaign that's also led to close one revenue in the last month. So that's ways that I would encourage you all to think about what that looks like for your buyers, where that plays out, and and how you can execute for that type of intent uh, or signal. But Yeah. And the intent here is really key. The nice thing is that when you comment or engage on LinkedIn, um, you become coke to people. You are uh, putting your name out over and over and over again, and people will come to you. And it is a totally different thing when you can reach out to someone about an action that they personally took, which is why this LinkedIn thing is really helpful. It's like, Jordan, you commented on this thing. And people really, really, this is reciprocity and reciprocation. It's a Robert Cialdini principle that people really want to, uh, and they also, consistency is one of his influence principles. They really want to remain consistent with the things that they have done uh, in the past or things they have committed to. So if people say things publicly, it's really easy to reach out to them and say like, I saw this comment that you're talking about X, Y, or Z. How else are you thinking about solving this? Um, And so that's a, it's a great way to do it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's, I love that. It's huge because, and also that it makes you more of a human because it's like, they're more likely to respond, I think, because it, it's talking to like your actual face. You're like part of their community. You're part of their network. It's going to be more difficult for them to ignore that message. I love that example. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Okay, guys. So we talked about so much great stuff. I like want to listen back to this recording because y'all covered so much. Um. But like, what would be some of the takeaways that y'all have? Like, cause we just have a couple more minutes. Um, if if nothing else, we'll start with you, Jordan. Um, if nothing else, what would be the one takeaway that you'd say get off? Like, when we get off of this, one thing that the SDRs, the A's could do to like improve their um, outbound out outreach. Yeah, it's really just talk to your customers. Uh, so have a conversation with five to 10 of your customers that just bought and figure out why. And all you have to do is understand the insight, ask questions so you get that insight and take that exact insight to the same audience, to the same situation, the same trigger, right? What changed in their world that led them to buy that thing? And why did they buy you? Don't talk about your features. Don't talk about your benefits. Just ask questions and they will tell you something that you've never heard before 
take all their earned insight that they spent their whole careers getting to that moment to buy your product and take that to the next person. All you're doing is a conduit for their entire life's work of insights. Do that. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so about you? Yeah, on top of what Jordan just said, I would just like, I would really challenge you to reframe the way you think. Are you a cog in a wheel? Or are you a contributor that's growing the business? And in the growing the business, it, it changes a different framework in which you operate um, and, and helps you reverse analyze your own performance, your own channels. So whether that's like email-based, phone-based, or cold call-based, or social, like across LinkedIn, find your channel and be able to... We didn't even get into that aspect in, in depth today, but and there's a whole nother way of being able to narrow that whole focus for you, but it requires you to really think of as an operator um so take that even if it's not in your wheelhouse it's it's find those who do and say hey, what am i missing here how do i grow it in that aspect that will then be a multiplier for my actual ability to be a seller i love that is there one is there one thing that they could do to not be the cog in the wheel and to really like be that innovator and and to think like the owner i mean i, I would just start by looking at my own campaign performance like that'd be my first place of looking at which channel is is best performing, um, and why, and take a start hunching at why, um, and then looking for the parallels between the types of businesses that you're booking demos with, and looking for those parallels of what Jordan just discussed. Is like, are am I finding the similar stories, even without just from my own cold outreach and cold conversations and whatnot, um, just from being an operator sense? If you can't be do the first what Jordan said first looking for those parallels across your booked meetings um, and then your own performance. And I want to add one final thing. Is that, is that okay? Can I have time? Please. Okay. Please do. Um, the one thing that you can do here, because there is a there is a volume challenge in sales for sure. I'm not denying that, right? And so the one thing that you can do is go hire an outsourcer. They're really, really inexpensive. Um, uh, get, get the budget uh, and take what you do into steps. And so the first step is like, looked at link, look at LinkedIn and see if they use these keywords. You can use clay.com to do this kind of at scale and find posts at scale. Um, but really you first need to understand what are the manual steps that you would take. And then your only job is to remove manual steps from that process over time. Once you've anchored to something that works, people outsourcers are a fantastic way to do this so that you can focus on really scaling the thing that works really well. But if you can't do it at low scale, forget about doing anything at high scale. Start with the craziest, best thing you could possibly do and then work backwards and find ways to automate that crazy thing. And I've got great. I've got ways uh, that we can follow up on on how to best automate it because um, that, I will just end it there and how you can execute moving forward. Yeah, I'm taking out Diva after we get off this call because I think that there's there's got to be something there too. So um, I'm checking out. Know. Jordan GPT as well. So uh, this man, if you just feel Jordan is one of the strongest people I know when it comes to utilizing chat GPT, utilizing AI and messaging and how to scale that across your your, your outbound workflows. So uh, I look to him as a strong resource for um, all of all of those motions as we all try and learn more about AI and how to ungrade it and embed it into our daily workflows. That was sweet. Thank you, Chris. I got you. Oh. Yeah, well, he does. Well, he did what you asked for. I just like the dude, so I think he does good work. Oh, you both do. I'm I'm really grateful to have you both as speakers today and to sharing your expertise with me and with the audience. 
Um, so thank you so much, Jordan and Chris. Um, and thank you so much to our audience and the great questions and engagement in the chat. I really appreciate y'all as well. Where can we find you, um, Jordan and, and Chris, so that we can have some follow-up conversations and everyone can follow your your wisdom on LinkedIn or sure. anywhere? Uh, yeah, I dropped my LinkedIn. Um, it's just in slash Jordan Crawford. And I'm Jordan at BlueprintGTM, as in go2market.com, BlueprintGTM.com. Send me an email. I respond to cold emails if they're good. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. So what about you, Chris? You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, my link is in the chat there, and um, and I'm I'm pretty pretty responsive to to LinkedIn DMs and and emails. So you can if you have any questions, happy to connect. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much, and I appreciate the time, and hope to see you on the next uh, deal show. Thanks. Chris. Thanks for having us, Maria. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks.